Hey girl, ready for another week to shine, sparkle, and slay? Just like every week, we'll be learning how to build confidence and business skills so you can show up as the person you've always wanted to be, but didn't think was possible. Get ready to shine by breaking out of that low self-worth. Sparkle when you realize just what you're capable of and slay by holding each other up. I'm Stephanie Rodriguez, and this is the Shine Sparkle Slay podcast. Let's get started. Hey, hey, Shine sisters. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in today to our new episode of the Shine Sparkle Slay podcast. Today, if you have had any questions on finance, if you need advice, I have got the expert for you. If you missed the uh, short intro session that we had with Wally before, no worries. We're going to recap her background. We're going to let her dive into her area of expertise. So you're going to learn so much more today. So some background on her. Wally Miller, she is a financial coach who teaches women how to take control of their finances and secure financial independence through balanced spending, saving, and wealth building without deprivation. The founder of Financially Thriving Money Coaching, Wally didn't always understand money or building wealth. Now she will be work optional by age 40. That's crazy. I'm so excited for you. Wally is a self-taught investor who believes investing doesn't have to be complicated. When she's not running her business, she's managing her seven-figure investment portfolio, or she's sharing her tips and strategies to improve money mindsets and creating spending plans by writing for sites like Clever Girl Finance and Miller, Miller's on Fire. She's been featured on financial podcasts such as Before the Millions, She's Invincible, Staying in the Black, Frugal Friends, and the Earn and Invest podcast. Wally Miller lives in New York City with her husband and blue-eyed French bulldog named Casper. Welcome. I'm so, so excited to have you back on. Hey, Stephanie, I'm excited to continue this conversation with you. Oh my goodness. You provided so much in just the brief 10 minute. Like I know you're going to have so much insight to share with our listeners today. One thing about the Shine Sparkle Slay podcast is we're all about uplifting women, motivating, empowering. Most importantly, well, I wouldn't say most importantly, but another big thing that we're adding on to the brand is to provide education to women that are in a career today and they feel like maybe, you know, they can't get out. They're stuck. And finances is a big part of that. Or maybe they're not working or for whatever reason, they just have, you know, concerns around money. They're a stay-at-home mom and they have their husband's income and investing. That's like a huge thing. Like even I am dabbling in it, but I am by no means the expert. So that's why you're here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm super excited to have this conversation. I think for sure, when we're thinking about money and finances, what so many people do not realize is that studies show that our money mindset, which essentially means, I know that word can sound a little woo-woo, right? Mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, But money mindset essentially is your behavior, relationship, and how you interact with money. A lot of that is formed between the ages of seven and 10, right? Wow. So how you deal with money is really formed by what was around you, who raised you, what you observed during that time. So if you think back as a child, 
what type of conversations were had around money, right? Did you ever hear, no, we can't afford that, put that back, money doesn't grow on trees, right? Maybe that was some of the conversation. Maybe some of the conversation was, no, you can't have seconds, right? We, everybody, um, there's not enough. So when we're thinking about what our relationship with money is and how we interact with it, it's really what were some of the things that we learned indirectly, right? So did your parents sit down with you and teach you how to balance a budget? You know, Mm -hmm. what to do with a paycheck? If your parents did that, yay for you because you are ahead than most of us because I know I did not get that lesson at all. Yes, I'm so glad you mentioned that too because I would love for you to share with the listeners that weren't able to listen to the mini episode that we did about your background. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I am a Latina. I am born and raised in New York City, in the Bronx in particular. I'm a daughter of an immigrant and I'm a first generation college graduate, right? So we grew up in a very, um, I'm not going to say in poverty, but we were very low income. Now I will say, if you know the Bronx, it is the poorest borough in New York City. So everybody around it was kind of low income. So it didn't feel so out of the ordinary. But because of that, a lot of what I learned about money was, you know, very scarce, right? Money wasn't abundant. It didn't flow. My parents didn't make a lot of money. You know, sometimes I couldn't buy the shoes that I, or I didn't get the shoes that I had asked for, or, you know, I wasn't wearing like the coolest things because we couldn't afford it. So there were, you know, some of those things that I just didn't know. And I don't know about you, but I didn't learn about finances in high school and college. No no one talks about this. Not at all. Which is unfortunate. I mean, I really think even like taxes, I feel like, you know, why aren't we teaching children about taxes? But you're right. Seriously. Yeah. Taxes, you know, when we're thinking about um, entrepreneurship, even right. Like, why isn't there more conversation about that? Investing compounds interest. Yeah. We just really don't learn about this stuff. Well, we're glad that you know about it because now we have you on to teach us. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm always blown away. Every time I read your bio, there's just like so much going on here. It's, it's insane. Like, I don't even know where to start your seven figure investment portfolio. Like that sounds overwhelming to me. And that's because I'm a novice when it comes to investing. I'm just now I would say in the last nine months, I've started to do so because I've entered the world of being an entrepreneur. But before that, I just, I wouldn't even know where to start. And in the mini, you mentioned there was like three different ways to, or three different areas to focus on. Could you recap what those were? Yeah, absolutely. So let me go back a little bit about what sort of changed in my life because I wasn't always, I didn't always have my money together, right? I spent my 20s burning through every dollar that I earned. The more money that I earned, the more money I spent, right? I basically inflated my lifestyle, right? You upgrade your car, you upgrade your apartment, you start spending more money on eating out, your vacations get a little bit more lavish. So every year that I earned more money, I was spending more. And I remember getting in the mail. I don't think they mail these now automatically, but you can go on the website and get it for free. But I remember getting in the mail, a letter from the social security administration. And I think it's after 10 years of work history, they basically give you 10 years of work history, right? What your earnings were. And I remember seeing my like first job in the summer that I worked (laughs) as a camp counselor. And I added up all of the money that I had made during that period. And when I 
added up the amount of money that I had made in my lifetime, and this was in my late twenties, I was like, where, where is all that money? <laughs> like I had nothing to show for it. Eye opening. Yeah, it was very eye opening. And I was like, wow, wait a minute, something is not really clicking here. So that was sort of like the first indication to me that something was not quite adding up. And so it was at that point that I, you know, already had sort of this red flag, but I still didn't know what to do about it. I was like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Then the second thing happened, which was that I actually went into a career that I absolutely loved. I loved my coworkers. I enjoyed the work that I did. Of course, not every day is ideal, but overall, I really had sort of my dream job. It was my dream job until it wasn't. There was a shift in management or a change in management. And uh, when we got new supervisors and executives, things really changed. So my ideal job sort of became a nightmare. And I realized like, oh my goodness, I am going to have to be at this place for the next 50 years, you're right? Like I'm going to be at this place until I retire. And I just couldn't imagine, right? And it wasn't so simple as, okay, well, if you don't like that job, just quit your job and find someplace new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I was coming up during the time of the recession where you, if you had a job, you were very lucky. Right. Yeah. So I was just like, wait a minute, like what, what is going on? What am I supposed to do? And that was when I went to the land of the interwebs, right? <laughs> I went to the <laughs> internet and I was like, how can I, you know, accelerate my retirement. My thinking was, okay, I have to do this until the age of 65, but can I do this so that I I could retire at 60 or 55? And that was literally what I was thinking. Like, could I like, you know, cut 10 years instead of having to work for the next 30 years? Could I, you know, get this done in 20 years? And that was when I started being aware that one of the things that I was really missing was number one, a purpose right? Mm Because everybody knows it doesn't matter where in the planet you live. We all know that we should be saving for hard times. But if you are saving for the sake of saving, that's not very motivating. But if you can Mm -hmm. save with intention, right? Instead of just saying, oh, I'm saving for the future. It's like, no, I'm saving for that three bedroom house, you know, with two bathrooms and be specific. Then it makes that uh, dream, that goal a little bit more real. That's so good that you mentioned that. Cause that is a very good point because I was one of those in the past. I was a saver and I was just putting money away. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I know it's the right thing to do. <laughs> but if you have a purpose, then it makes it more real. Like you actually have a, something that you're aiming for. So I love that you just called that out. Yeah. One of the um, tools that I give my clients that I work with is that if they have savings accounts, I'm like, okay, so what is this money for? And they're like, oh, it's for emergencies. It's for when my car breaks down. It's for vacation. It's for Christmas. It's for like, they let, <laughs> they list all of these different things. And really I'm like, okay, that's awesome that you have started to save, right? Some of my clients haven't ha- started to save at all, but for those who have started to save, I'm like, that's great. But we really need to name these dollars, right? What portion of that basket that you have there is for car repairs, is for emergencies, is for vacation, is for, you know, whatever the case might be. And so that would be one tip that I would give people is, um, I guess, two, right? So the first is make sure that you have a clear understanding and financial goals for what it is that you're saving for, right? Mm -hmm. Because saving for the sake of saving 
isn't all that motivating. That's the first. And then second is to name those dollars. Instead of having just one savings account and this is saving for everything, like make sure that you can, and some of my clients do this in different ways. Maybe they open up multiple (laughs) savings accounts. Sometimes they have one savings account, but they have it written out like, okay, you know, 10% of this is for this cause, 20% is for this cause, just really sort of separating and identifying, naming every single dollar. So you know what it is that you're doing, because it can be really tempting when you have sort of a lump sum and be like, oh, there's a good sale. I'm going to go dip into that. Well, it's a little harder. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little harder to do that when you're like, oh, this is my home down payment fund, right? Like, Mm -hmm. do I want these leather boots or do I want to take away from my goal of having a down payment for a home? I love the way that you just explained that because it's so true. And I have done that. I've had my savings. I was like, oh, I want to get this. And I would just pull from the savings. No big deal. But you're right. If I'm all, this is to pay off my house, I'm less likely to touch that. So I love that you just called that out. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, to kind of go back, like once I sort of realized, okay, I am not for the money that I'm making. I'm not really I don't have a whole lot to show for it. And then two, like, oh, my goodness, I have to work for the next 30 years. I wanted to accelerate that journey. And what I realized was that I was missing that wealth building component. And I couldn't even relate to the word wealth, right? Like to me, I imagine like an old man smoking a cigar in like a velvet (laughs) robe, right? Like that was wealth. And so I had to sort of define what wealth meant to me. And what it meant was really freedom, right? I wanted to be able to work on the things that I was passionate about. Because even then, even though the work environment had gotten kind of toxic, I still enjoyed the work. And I was like, how could I do this on my own terms, right? Particularly for millennials, It's not about, you know, I think we get a bad rep of like being lazy. I don't think it's that, right? I think it's that we just want to be able to do the things that we want to do on our own terms, right? We want to work. We want to be able to contribute to society, contribute to our communities, but in the way that we want to do it. And so that was when I discovered that, you know what? I don't have to depend on a paycheck. I can actually fund my freedom. I can buy my financial independence. And that's why I like to use the term work optional, right? Because my idea of like early retirement isn't to go sit on, you know, on a beach with a little umbrella drink. Like that's not really what I want to do. What I want to do is work on the things that I'm passionate on or um, whether it's self-development, learn new skills, you know, whatever that that is, but I want to be able to also have sort of a flow of income that pays for my lifestyle. So I don't have to worry about the roof over my head, the food on the table, or, you know, keeping the lights on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are so, so right. I love that. So when was the moment? Well, you said management changed and you loved the work, but you just knew like, this isn't for me. So what was your next step? So when people are working you know, in corporate world or wherever, that's like a huge step. I remember when I put in my two week notice, it was a Monday and I felt like, great. And I was like, yes, we're going to do this. And then I remember the next day, Tuesday in my stomach, I just felt some kind of way. I was like, I literally have no paychecks now. So <laughs> what advice would you give someone if they're kind of in that situation that, you know, you and I 
got over the fear and took that leap. But if there's someone like on the fence from a financial standpoint, what advice would you give them? Yeah. The first thing that I would say is that if you're still working that nine to five and in the corporate world, that is totally fine, right? The same way that we want to be saving with intention, we want to be working with intention too, Mm -hmm. right? So before you leave your job with like no plan, no financial cushion, it's really important to identify what it is that that work is providing for you, right? So everything from like, oh, health insurance, oh, retirement plans, oh, this is actually going to be able to fund, uh, be able to fund some of my passion projects. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that people do particularly when they like leave corporate world and enter entrepreneurship is that they don't have a plan in place. And essentially what they're doing is exchanging a toxic work environment to a toxic entrepreneurship environment because now they're doing the things that they don't really want to do just because they are so dependent on that income coming in. And I really want to avoid that because entrepreneurship is a beautiful thing. It's so powerful. And I want you to be able to enjoy the process. And so before you walk away from corporate world, think about, I mean, I know, again, this may sound a little woo-woo, but like, think about the things that you can be grateful for, right? How can you leverage the current income that you're making in order to fund the next chapter of your life, whether the next chapter is retirement, whether it's being work optional, whether it's going into full-time entrepreneurship, whatever the case might be, how can I leverage the income that I'm making right now in order to provide that safety net that I am going to need? You're so spot on. I think that is really, really great advice. That's essentially what I did. I worked my tail off for, for nine months to build that cushion. Uh, Cause I knew the time was going to come. It came sooner than I anticipated, but I wanted to be smart. I just didn't want to say peace out and then like literally like have no plan. So I did. And there's no way I could have worked the full-time job without having some help run my stuff that I had going. So I had to hire someone to run my, my social media just to keep the brand going while I was over here working to make sure I could fund it once I left. So I love that advice you just gave. I think it's, there's a way to work with the money that you have now to set you up for that future that you want. I love what you just said too, right? Like you were able to hire somebody to take care of a piece. Imagine being a brand new solopreneur, minimal income coming in, and you have to do it all on your own, right? These big companies, they depend on angel investors and venture capitalists for funding. Like I want you to be your own venture Mm -hmm. capitalist, right? You provide the funding that you need. You do the investment that you need in order to help your business grow. And I think that is so, so powerful. But again, it's really kind of going back to the basics, right? Because like I said, I was in a really toxic work environment, but when I realized, wait a minute, okay, I can't change what my supervisors do, how I feel, right? But what I can change is the idea that I can uh, leverage, right? Leverage that income in order to work one day less, one week less, one month less, one year less. And, you know, one point that I don't know if we'll have too much time to talk about it in this session, but when I talk about wealth building, the other component that I realized, because then I did start saving, right? I started saving for my emergency fund. I really accelerated my payments on my debt, right? So I had student loan debt. I had a car note. And so I really wanted to not have to worry about that. The other thing was, wait a minute. 
there are people out there in the world who are retiring in their 50s and even in their 40s. What is it that they're doing that I'm not doing? And it is that investment piece, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about investments, this could be so many different things, but I like to sort of categorize them in three areas. And one is real estate, right? You can invest in commercial real estate, residential real estate. There's so many different types of real estate. Then there's the stock market. And then there's entrepreneurship, right? So thinking about, okay, what is going to be my investment vehicle? What am I going to invest in so that it can grow and sooner or later end up paying me, right? And Mm -hmm. so we get some of that income and hopefully passive income. Yes. I like that you said passive income. That's what I'm working on right now. I know it's important to have several different streams of income coming in. So before I left the workplace, I have the uh, the online fashion boutique that's up. But in the background, I've also worked on a couple of passive streams. That's the sit it and forget it. And I think that's the best money maker. I'm all for passive income. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of the reasons why I really like the stock market. I kind of say I am not a lazy person, but I do want to be a lazy investor. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to look at charts, keep up with all of the things that are going on in the media. Like, I just don't have time for that. I don't have the energy for that. And honestly, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Anything Mm -hmm. can happen. So I like sort of that setting and forgetting approach. And one of the ways that I do that is just by automating automating my savings, right? I don't have to think about it. I know that there's a portion of my income that automatically goes to whatever my savings goals is. I have a portion of my income that automatically goes in order to building wealth and it goes into the stock market. It doesn't matter if the stock market is up or down, like it's just a consistent basis that I've been able to do over the years, right? I started off very small. I remember I didn't understand the difference. I was like, what's the difference between investing and gambling, right? And I will say that there are some people who, quote unquote, invest and all they're doing is gambling. All they're doing is speculating. And this is why people lose their shirts. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, But there is, you know, if you can understand the basics and this is what was really um, key for me to understand that. I thought, you know, there's so much jargon laced vocabulary when, (laughs) when we're thinking about investing. And none of that matters, right? Like really understand the basics, understand the power of compounding interest. And if you can do that, you can find the vehicle, uh, the right investment vehicle that's going to work for you, right? So whether that is real estate, whether that is entrepreneurship, whether that is the stock market. I'm literally right now writing down compound interest because that's something that I want to learn more about. And I actually had forgotten about that until you just mentioned it. So I just made a note because I want to learn more about that myself. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, um, I can give you a quick lesson, sort of back of the napkin math. There's something called the rule of 72. And essentially it's, you take the number 72 and you take your interest rate, right? So right now we know savings accounts are like 1% or less, right? Mm -hmm. And you've divided by the number 72 and it tells you the number of years it would take for your money to double. So the rule of 72 Mm -hmm. tells you how quickly your money will double. So imagine having $1,000, 1% divided by 72 is 72. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to take 72 years (laughs) for $1,000 to double at a 1% interest, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, what is going on? 
But if we increase the percentage rate, right? And I'm not talking by a hundred. I'm saying what happens if we um, use the, you know, 3%, 5%, 7%, right? Mm-hmm. How we can slash how quickly those numbers will double. And I think when I understood that, that really sort of blew my mind, right? Like yeah, it's not sense. It's not 72 years. And then it goes down to 50. It's like 72 years and you could double it in like 14 or five years. So, you know, that's sort of one thing that I would, you know, sort of tell everybody to take a look at is um, taking a look at the rule of 72. It's a quick way to kind of get a, you know, an understanding of compounding interest. That to make, I wrote that down too. Rule of 72. (laughs) I'm so fascinated with finance. It's just one of those things I haven't taken the time to like really like dive into. Um, I know enough to speak to it, but like I need an expert like you. So I'm so glad that you're on. (laughs) Okay. So I know you have a a coaching, is is it a, it's a program. Do you call it a coaching program? So I offer one-on-one coaching exactly for some of the things that you said, right? I think so many of us, we might be either interested in finances, but don't take the time to like really learn about it. I've had so many clients who are like, look at, I have a nightstand full of like finance books. And I'm like, well, have you read them? You know, (laughs) or even if they read them, it's like, how can you implement them? So I offer one-on-one coaching and, um, you know, I have thought about doing group coaching, but what I find is that because finances can be so personal and also like every situation is different, right? Someone make it. $50,000 a year is going to be very different than somebody making, you know, 75 or, you know, $100,000 a year. So really sort of, and also depending on where you live. (laughs) Um, So uh, what I do is that I work with my clients one-on-one to create a system of gaining control of their finances, setting a plan and refocusing, right? Refocusing on the things that are important. I like to say that financial coaching is really life design and we just use money as a tool to get there. Right. And so, so much of financial coaching can sound like, oh, we're going to be dealing with all of these math and calculations. And of course there is math and calculations, but so much of it is money mindset, right? Mm -hmm. It's really education, right? The more educated we can get about, okay, wait a minute. Like I've tried budgeting. I've tried using pen and paper, Excel spreadsheets, budgeting apps and software. Like I cannot get this down. And it's like, okay, great. Those are the tools. You know, there's a lot of tools that we can use, but like, let's figure out what's most important to you. Right. Mm -hmm. I want you to spend lavishly on the things that matter to you, but it's cutting out the things that cause those budget leaks, right. That we end up spending money on. And it's like, wait a minute, I had $20. Where did it go? And it's like, I I have no idea. You're so spot on too with one point that you, well, with everything you said, but there are so many resources available to us that I feel like it causes overwhelm. Like, it's like, I don't even know like where to go. You listen to one person and there's all these apps. It's just like, I don't know what to do. So it's just, it creates that overwhelm. So I'm all for coaches. I personally use coaches. I'm working with you right now. And I've never met or worked with a coach. It was like, gosh, that wasn't worth the money. Like I get so much value from my coaches. So who knows? I might be hitting you up because your girl here is still working through the stages of being an entrepreneur. So I know I need some help. 
<laughs> yeah, no, you know, it, it is one of those things like it can feel very overwhelming because there's so many things and it's like, where do you start? And then you just throw your hands up. Mm-hmm. And what I want to do is help people figure out what is going to be the system that they that's going to work for them. Right. Because when we think about finances, it's I like to help my clients create a financial framework so that it doesn't matter if two years from now they're making more or they're making mm-hmm. less money, but they have a financial framework of how to go about spending money, saving money, budgeting for money, right? I am a natural spender. I, you know, <laughs> some of my story is that I was a very impulsive shopper, right? I would go to Target for like toilet paper and laundry detergent, and I would leave with like yes. home decor pillows, and I mm-hmm. would like leave with like lamps and things. And I'm like, what in the world? Like I was planning on spending like 10 bucks. Like how did this happen? And so much of that is just like that impulsivity, right? And sort of understanding what your spending triggers are. Do you spend because you want to celebrate? Do you spend because you're sad? Do you spend because you're upset and had a stressful day at work, right? So there's all of these different things. And I feel like if we can begin to sort of understand, right? First become aware, of what the spending triggers are, and then understanding what is it that causes us to spend money in the way that we do, right? I also have some clients who are complete savers, but they're like hoarders of money. They're afraid to spend money or they feel guilty. And I'm like, so we have to address that money mindset too. And so if you save money to go on vacation, I want you to come back with that every dollar spent, right? I want <laughs> yeah. you to feel guilt-free because you planned for it, right? right? You plan to spend that money and so enjoy it. And so there's all of these different um, money relationships and money stories that we have. And so understanding that first is really, really important. I've worked with clients who have finance degrees, right? They have finance degrees and they know And they know everything there is to know about business finances, but personal finances is totally different, right? Mm -hmm. Because it is the math, of course, and the calculations, but so much of it is behavioral. So much of it is money mindset. Yes. I so get that. I can just tell you're so passionate about what you do. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. For sure. (laughs) That's good. You're in your, in your zone and that's when you know you're in the right spot and that's why you're finding success. I love it. All right. Tell our listeners the one place that is best for them to find you. I'm most active on Instagram, but you can take a look at my website, financiallythriving.com and find all my socials and emails and things like that. Perfect. It was such a pleasure having you. Like, I know that I don't have all the answers. So when I heard about you, I was like, she's got to come on the show. And I've talked to a lot of ladies too. Like I told you when I put in my two weeks that were like, I want to do this, but I don't know how to do this. And I am not the expert of all things. So that was the point of the podcast that I could bring on people that knew more details about things that I just don't know to help these people that I have talked to make decisions. So ladies out there that I have talked to, if finances was one of the areas where you could use a little support assistance, she is your girl. If you missed the link, if you're out walking to your dog, driving your car, whatever the case may be, I will be sure to put all of the links that were talked about in our conversation today down in the show notes. So you will be able to access everything quickly. And as always, if no one has told you today, you are beautiful, you are worthy and girl, yes, you can. 
thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to shine with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please show us some love by subscribing to our show and sparkle us by submitting a rating and review. And if you're ready to slay, girlfriend, stop over to our website, shinesparkleslay.com. We have a free gift waiting there just for you. 